0: All right, here we go.
1: Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh, he did it. A miracle. Yes. Double water Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it off college basketball it's not the size of the dog in the fight it's the size of the fight in the dog
0: what's up the generation welcome to the big bets on campus podcast this is the monday college basketball betting preview i'm Stucky, and joining me as they will each and every monday throughout the end of the season is bj cunningham and mike calabrese gentlemen what's going on not much, Doug. It's been a—it was a crazy weekend of college basketball with Baylor going down. I'm really looking forward to this week of uh, of hoops. And Mike, yeah, some of you might know him from uh, Big Bets on Campus, the Group of Five podcast. Did an excellent job during the college football season. Ready to roll for college basketball. How's it going, Mike?
1: It's going good. You know, this was already, in my opinion, a wide open college basketball season with Baylor dropping two. you know, this past week. I think that only solidifies it. You have to start getting comfortable with teams like Auburn on the one line, you know, potentially the number one team by power rankings in the entire country. I think that makes for an exciting stretch run here for college basketball.
0: Yeah, Baylor apparently just cannot beat uh, Oklahoma State. But yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be completely wide open now. Gonzaga is probably just going to coast the rest of the way so they're probably going to move once they move to one you can see Auburn move to one by the way I don't know who's going to go to one but they'll, they'll stay at one but I don't think that they're as elite as they were last year and the gap is is smaller so yeah it's going to be a fascinating year just to give you guys a heads up on what this format will look like each Monday we'll cover we'll break down the big Monday marquee game and then we'll give our best bets a couple of spots that we're looking at Monday's cards are usually smaller and then We'll also give out a uh, a look for a Tuesday, and you know we'll we'll start by recapping the weekend. Today's show will be a little different; it's the holiday. The biggest game of the day is going on right now between Purdue and Illinois. Uh, so we'll just give some looks for today, tonight, tomorrow. Um, but let's start with the weekend that was. Let's uh, we'll get to a rant in a in a in a minute. A team we want to rant about, but let's just start with a result
1: that you want to talk about from the weekend, Mike, uh, where do you want to go? So I was impressed with Kansas and I think it's not necessarily in that particular game, the importance of them covering that number and running away in the second half, but more so how Jalen Wilson is going to be integrated in their, their play for really the rest of the season. Obviously, had the early suspension, he really had growing pains getting back to where he ended off last season. And I think he's the key element because in the offseason, I figured that they needed the combination of Remy Martin and you know Joseph Yusefu to probably provide 18, 20 points a game if they wanted to get into that elite conversation. They haven't been anywhere close to that. Remy Martin's kind of been a shell of himself. And Yosef has, you know, I think he's averaging two points per game. So the fact of the matter is, I think they need Jalen Wilson to do what he's done in the last three games. 20 points in two of those three. I think he elevates them and makes them a matchup problem for elite teams. So that was a game I was really focused on. And I wanted to see if it was just a flash in the pan, his recent, you know, outbreak. But now that's two of the last three scoring the basketball, giving them different options. I, I'm starting to, to be... A, someone who's really buying them potentially playing their way up to a one seed. And as I mentioned at the top, Baylor showing these vulnerabilities, where does that leave Kansas in the big 12 pecking order? As you have maybe a a two or three team race for the conference regular season title.
0: Yeah, no, you have to be impressed with what, how what Kansas has looked like of late. And I think that they're a team that if you're looking to buy them in the futures market, this might be the time to do so. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, they go to, where do they they go to Oklahoma this week? <clears throat> that, that's right. I believe that's on Tuesday. Yeah, not the, I think Oklahoma's <clears throat> lost a couple in a row. So it's not the best spot. So maybe, you know, but if they win that, they beat Oklahoma going away. And then you might not see a price on Kansas again, but maybe if they lose that game, maybe that's the buy low spot. or I shouldn't say buy low, but the, the opportunity for you <clears throat> to get it on Kansas before maybe they continue to elevate themselves throughout the year. BJ, any thoughts uh, from a game you want to cover on the weekend?
2: Yeah, how about your Wildcats on Saturday? My goodness, they shot the lights out. Talk, talk about Tennessee. a
0: futures price you'll never get, get again. From Yeah, exactly. From,
2: uh, I you. you know, 11 of 18 from behind the arc, 71% from inside the arc, 20 of 21 from the free throw line against the number two defense in adjusted efficiency coming into the day. That is incredibly impressive that they can add that type of shooting with Grady along with the rebounding with Shibwe inside like you said this is a really really dangerous team and now this Saturday they got Auburn uh, in Auburn that's going to be m- maybe one of the best games of the college uh, basketball season right there but yeah it's I just don't it's Kentucky is it just incredibly impressive to see that type of shooting you know when, teams in the past with Cal haven't really had shooters around it but you had Grady obviously it's it's a really good team now and i Really got my eyes open to Kentucky to potentially move up and get, you know, two. And if they run the table, potentially maybe even a one seed come March.
0: Yeah, I, it's going to be hard for them to get a one just because <laughs> the, the SEC, I think, to my, in my opinion, is the best conference top to bottom yep. in college basketball this season. So, like, it's going to be hard to go, you know, to not trip up a couple times. But, yeah, they're my only future as of right now. And I thought that by come March, with the talent that they assembled, that they would be a top five team. I think they're there now um cal when he has these teams with enough talent to win it all usually it's like all right let's because it's it's usually new now it's usually freshmen, but this time it's a lot of transfers it's all right let's ascend and get better and better peak on march but man they look good tennessee to me is just they're going to be a team that is they're going to grade out well from a metric standpoint and they have talent but it's a team i don't think that they're capable of like making a final four run they, you know, they shot well on Saturday. Their defense should be what they rely on, and their defense is obviously excellent. But it just seems that when they step up in class, that there's they're going to go through too many droughts. It's just that I think that they're a cut a cut below like the ten to twelve to fifteen teams that I think have a legitimate run.
2: Yeah, a legitimate case to make a run
0: to the final four. Yeah, Tennessee yeah,
2: yeah. feels like a, a five seed. That's gonna everybody's going to pick the twelve seed uh, in the tournament, yeah. probably like Murray State or something. Yeah, they like you said they grade out really well on metrics, but they just we kind of talked about on the last episode they just go through the shooting droughts that you know just kill them so uh we'll see how they a great out going forward but they feel like a team that's really upset prone come march
0: yep yeah my the team's i'm going to talk about a conference at home and that's the acc i mean can someone step up in the acc and become the second best team i mean it's getting a little ridiculous i mean north carolina obviously blew out georgia tech who's just a mess right now it was a good matchup for them and then duke, you have duke who's clearly the best team in the acc they covered late against nc state but Every other game, I don't know, should just blindly take the dog. I think the dog won in every other game outright, uh, besides Notre Dame. I mean, Boston College goes to Clemson and beats Clemson outright. You know, you got Wake Forest goes to Virginia and wins outright. Pitt beats Louisville by double digits. Syracuse goes down at home. I mean, this conference is just an absolute mess right now. I I don't know what to make of it. Um, it's, it's, if it's not, the game's not involving Duke or North Carolina with a huge post. Look at the dogs, but man, the ACC's been disappointing. All right, let's go. Any any thoughts, uh, Mike, on a- ACC or SEC?
1: Actually, I have a look at spot uh, on Tuesday with an ACC game. Um, I will say this for the SEC: there's, because I, I totally agree with you, top to bottom. I think they they present the most competent play, and and certainly some of the the better high end teams in the entire country. But one team that is kind of drawing my ire a little bit is Alabama. Um, you know they're getting killed on the offensive glass this year, and defensively everyone's scoring on them. They've lost five of eight outright, and that includes giving up 92 to both Memphis and Mizzou. So there's you know certain teams that you can allow to get hot, and it's forgivable. Those two I would not put lump in that group, but the Mississippi State game to me was the final straw because they finally got that three point defense luck. Mississippi State shot two for 16. They give up 18 offensive rebounds. So because of their issues on the glass, I think this is a team that I'm fully ready to to cut loose. It's not a team I'm interested in playing. And I think that for all of the talent that they have offensively, the system, the the versatility – this, this defense and their liabilities in the rebounding department is just too much to get beyond. And they're 235th in two-point defense. So even when you are you know missing from long range, you're getting those second-chance opportunities, and teams are killing them inside of 15 feet. So Alabama is a team that certainly has uh, riled me up a little bit. I'm just ready to, to push them away. There's plenty of options on the table, even in the SEC. So I'm going to go with somebody else.
0: Yeah, if you if you look at like I talked about this on our episode for the weekend, if you look at Petty, <clears throat> Primo, and especially Herb Jones, I mean, their defense, they were the best individual defenders on the team. And then, you know, you missed them on the offensive end as well. But it's, uh, yeah, so I think that the replay, everyone just assumed that, oh, who cares? You lost them. They're going to be fine. But you can tell that they clearly missed them on the defensive end. You miss Jones a little bit creating on the offensive end as well. And they are very, very vulnerable inside. They obviously are capable of still beating anybody because they just shoot a million, three. So if you, you know, they're going to have a game where they go like 18 of 31 from three and then what are you going to do? But as a whole, yeah, I, I think this team is severely overrated. be interesting to see where that spread opens up against LSU. They beat LSU, I think three times last week and LSU is coming off a loss. But I, I think that there's still major regression coming from this LSU team. So fascinating game as Alabama's lost three straight as well. Um, all right, let's get to our rant of the weekend. Uh, I'll kick things off here, and I have to rant about Charlotte. I I laid thirteen with Charlotte, and it was they were up like twenty in the first five minutes against a, a UTSA team that just has no nobody left on the team. They're awful. They played hard. They got they got a bunch of rebounds. They were playing hard, but um, Charlotte then just like let them hang around all game, and then at the end with the, with like a minute and a half to go. You, it was, they were up 16. They miss a free throw with their 90% free throw shooting, Jameer Young, their point guard. And then he fouls at mid, at half court. He fouls to get out of the game. Like, first of all, just make the free throw, but he misses it. Then he fouls. UTSA's in the double bonus. So uh, he fouls, the UTSA goes to the line, makes two free throws. And then from that point on, Charlotte, they you know, kick the ball out of bounds, just literally kick it out of bounds, once on a rebound, once just dribbling it. They miss a dunk, a wide open dunk. Um, and one of the worst 90, it got the, we got down to nine, uh, the worst 90 seconds I've ever seen in my life. Um, I have no other explanation other than they just put a lot of money on uh, UTSA at the half for the second half. I was absolutely living what to, I've never seen a team do that with their, their point guard. He foul with 90 seconds. It wasn't like there's five seconds to go. And then you're like, oh, let me get this. He fouled to get out of the game. Just gave him two free points, and I, I knew I was toast then. Um, that game just tilted me um, on, a, on a day where I hated free throws were just it's so annoying me. I had Virginia Tech misses a free throw to cover. Bryant misses a free throw to cover. Um, so, yeah, I had to get that off my chest. Uh, BJ, I'll go to you. What do you want to rant about?
2: Well, you know, a lot of I think, well, it's it's going to be Iowa State against Texas on Saturday. I think a lot of people, you know, will say, oh, I don't you know, I don't think about my rival. They don't even rent space in my head. But I think about Iowa State all the time. And that game against Texas on Saturday, they did nothing in the half court, only 0.77 points per possession. And they somehow torched Texas in transition. Texas is top 10 percent in college basketball uh, in transition defense. Gabe Kouser just went nuts. He hit six. He was six of 12 from behind the arc. He had only hit six threes total in his last five games. And if you look at his shot quality numbers, he had 11 bad possessions, zero good possessions, and was only expected to score 12 points based on the shots he took, but scored 22. And yeah, he was, I was making like, some heaves, some late second heaves. Yeah, it was, just, it's just so stupid. Uh, I mean, Iowa State's defense is really good. There's no denying that. They're, you know, top five in defensive efficiency. But offensively, they're – really punching above their weight right now they're now top 25 in college basketball in terms of record luck so this is a team i'll happily be fading going forward and probably on tuesday uh, against texas tech when the last time they faced texas tech only had seven available players and still only lost by four so uh, yeah it uh, this it, the thing is because you know obviously iowa state only had two wins last year which was very fun to watch then they get all these transfers. They get a new coach from South Dakota State, who terrifies me because I think he's a really, really good coach, and somehow he's had all been able to fit all these pieces together. So I really hope this Iowa State team takes a, a nosedive in their <laughs> shooting regression, comes back to earth because I, I don't know if I can take them, uh, you know, potentially being
0: a, a four or five seed in March. Well, at least Iowa held on for you, um, yeah, with a dominant game from Mary. and you didn't have you didn't have an Iowa State win and Iowa loss. Yeah. Um, Mike. Oh, by the way, Mike. Who, you, just to give everyone that's not familiar with you from the college football episodes, uh,
1: where, where are you from, and what's your and your favorite team? So I, I grew up in Philly, uh, about three blocks from St. Joe's. Um, so they were always my, my my team that really had I had a soft spot for them. I uh, I was a senior in high school during their their great run with Jameer Nelson and Delonte West. And then I ended up at Loyola, Maryland, who has um, zero athletic tradition other than lacrosse. So I am more than happy to hitch my wagon to St. Joe's. You know, they're in a bit of a a rebuild this year. I'm pretty happy with what they're doing with Jordan Hall running the show at the point. You know, he's a triple-double waiting to happen there. So uh, I'm excited about the the progress that St. Joe's has made. Certainly, they kind of hit the, I, I would hope, the absolute bottom of the barrel after the Phil Martelli era. And now they can work their way back up. How dare you.
0: Disrespect Santi Aldama, um, by saying no athletic <laughs> tradition, uh, yeah. I actually my my, I actually St. Joe's is my technically one of an alma mater. Mine, I got a graduate degree there. My dad went to St. Joe's, was a diehard St. Joe's fan. One of the funniest stories that I could ever tell from co- when I was in college, when St. Joe's played, um, Oklahoma State in was it Easter the Elite eight? yeah, it was the Elite Eight, uh, there, Elite in, Eight and, against in Jersey, uh, yeah, and lucas was the guard from oklahoma state and i was telling my dad about him all week i bet on oklahoma state to win <clears throat> and i was out at espn zone when they were still an espn zone in, in dc with a, a degenerate friend of mine all day just betting and then this game was at night i believe and then lucas hit that shot it was an incredible game to beat saint joe's and you know i mean, I mean I'm, I'm a lot older and wiser now and i'm just the, uh, a dick for doing this. It was a joint college <laughs> kid, so I called my dad to talk shit, and he obviously had some drinks too, and he was f- livid. I mean, it's like Saint, it's like a once in a lifetime Saint Joe's team, um, and he just hung up, and uh, he didn't talk to me for like three weeks. Um, so and the funny thing is back in like the, the early nineties when I was a little kid, I don't remember this. He was a, he was also a Duke fan. Like he roots for St. Joe's, but he's also a Duke basketball fan. Cause he went, I mean, he went to St. Joe's and I hated, I rooted against all his teams. Um, and when Leitner hit that shot, he was underneath the basket uh, at the spectrum. And my mom said I cried and then didn't talk to him for weeks. So uh, yeah, college basketball runs, runs deep in our family. So uh, yeah, the Hawk will never die. I'm like, what, what, uh, do you have a rant for this weekend?
1: I do real quick, uh, just to share a story, a little bit of uh, serendipity. My father was on the other side of the spectrum seeing Gray Hill throw that ball under the basket. Um, wow. and, then, and then in addition, I had a, a good buddy who became the St. Joe Hawk in college, which you get, you get a scholarship. So it's like a big deal. And it ends with, um, after you take these tests and interviews, they just get the three finalists together and everybody has to flap their wings until it's the last man or woman standing situation. But he hit me with a story once where he was at a, a charity fundraiser and all of the Philly mascots were there. Every college mascot and every pro mascot, and he's flapping his wings and, you know, still talking to the other mascots. And he finally gets up next to the six one, which at the time was this like bunny rabbit situation. And he's like, hey, you know, what are you doing after this? And it just basically said, like, he's like, all right you dick, like I'm just trying to like talk to you and realizes later that he had some kind of like whistle thing that's always in his mouth to make him sound (laughs) like a rabbit. So that was his experience trying to cut it up. You know, I think that was the end of the road for him in terms of his aspirations to be a professional mascot. But he's like, I I just can't do this anymore. That's phenomenal. Uh, In terms of my rants, I'll keep this one simple. I had a pretty good Saturday, but uh, I pushed a lot of chips into the middle on San Francisco BYU over 142. And they go ahead and score 18 points in the first 10 minutes of that game and still almost get there. The final score was 71-69. Just a a very frustrating night. San Francisco, you know, their overs have been cashing by an average of 26 points per game here in 2020. And they shoot three for 23 from three-point range. So it it doesn't have a whole lot of drama, but it's one of those where sometimes you just get snake bit by the three-point you know, regression monster. So that was frustrating to see and then have them come all the way back at the game situation where it was, it was pretty conceivable that they could have gone to overtime and up losing by two.
0: Yeah. I needed to just say if I had to win that game, that was an annoying, annoying game. <clears throat> um, all right. So let's move on. We'll, we'll go through a spot, each one tonight and one tomorrow. Um, I will for Monday night, Obviously we won't cover any games on Monday afternoon because you're probably not going to hear this in time. So let's, I'm going to go with the, the biggest desperation spot on the board in Northeastern at home against Delaware. They're catching looks like one and a half to two they're 0 and five in CAA play. This is a team that some, I mean, CAA is pretty wide open conference, but some said a legit chance to win the conference and they just, they haven't had a full roster. They've, they haven't been great defensively but now you're catching a delaware team on a quick turnaround with a likely shorthanded roster i don't think ryan allen left last game against hofstra with a knee injury and he's extremely important to them i doubt he plays i'm assuming and hoping he doesn't play that's my assumption so this is just all out desperation effort at home uh it's on national tv uh northeastern doesn't win this game Uh, i mean they're, they're way more of a mess than i thought but you did get you did get Jack Walters back um, in the, the lineup. You should see him more at a hundred percent tonight. So I like Northeastern uh, in a buy low desperation spot at home. I believe that game is on CBS Sports Network. BJ, mm-hmm. where are you going tonight?
2: I'm going to go at 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to go UNC Wilmington, Carl, College of Charleston over 147. So College of Charleston has a new head coach and Pat. Kesley, who had been at Winthrop for the last nine years and his Winthrop teams are always were, you know, top 15 tempo, like to play fast, like to press. However, this season, he's really pumped up the tempo. They're the number one, they're team. number one, right? Yeah, yep. They're number one in the country in adjusted tempo. They spend 24% of their possessions in offensive transition, which is the second highest frequency in the country. They attack the rim at a high rate. They shoot threes at a fairly high percentage. UNC Wilmington defense is pretty <laughs> average. They don't defend the three that well. On the flip side of that, though, UNC Wilmington, not that great an offense, but what they do do well is they get to the free throw line at a really high rate. College of Charleston is 340th in the country in free throw rate allowed. They're a little bit better in transition defense than they are in the half court, but College of Charleston, they have a ton of bodies they throw off. They're 21st in bench minutes, so they're just going to be able to sub bodies and keep this tempo pumped up. So I think this one's going to turn into a track meet with it, especially being uh, in Charleston. So I like over 147 points.
0: Don't mind that at all. Yeah, it's their breakneck base for sure. Mike, where are you going? I'll
1: I'll head up another CAA game. I love Towson laying 10 and a half. It opened at 13, traveling to William & Mary. This year in particular with the COVID layoffs and some issues where, you know, you may get stuck at home practicing in your home gym, you know, for a long time. A lot of home teams have been overly attractive from an against the spread perspective, but this Towson team has traveled very well. They're seven and one against the spread on the road. And it really comes down to Cam Holden. Um, You know, he's one of those stories that a, a program like Towson absolutely needs. They need to be able to pluck players from the transfer market. He started at Gulf coast community college. He was a star there. He goes to UT Martin plays really well. And now he's, Basically, the straw that stirs the drink for the Tigers, he does everything. 40% of his games this year have ended in a double-double. He can do it on the glass. He can distribute the basketball. But really, this is a spot for me to fade a William & Mary team from a public perspective, perception You know, perspective. This is as good as they've been all season. So they end up getting you know some wins straight up and some covers at home. Hofstra, Northeastern against uh, JMU. But when I look at those games, Hofstra shoots six for thirty-four from three-point range. Northeastern follows it up by going five for nineteen, and then William and Mary gets one of their best shooting nights the season, hitting twelve threes against JMU. I'm zooming out and looking at this program, you know, from a a bigger perspective. This is one of the, the worst teams in terms of handling the basketball. They're 343rd in assist to turnover ratio. And that's an issue because obviously they're turning the ball over at a very high clip, 18 turnovers per game. This allows Towson to create more opportunities for their offense Towson's already a great offensive rebounding team. I think they're going to take advantage. And when I look at Pat Scary, what he's done, he's been there for so long. He actually came to William & Mary and was the CAA coach of the year, I believe either his first or second year. But it's been, um, I'd say his first year there, he won it. Nathan Knight really made it happen. And ever since he's moved on, this is, it's been difficult for him to get this going. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take a team that is, you know, getting a little bit of momentum, but I think this number is, is actually primed to to be taken advantage of on the Towson side. As I mentioned, open to 13, down to 10 and a half. My power rankings call for it to be 17.
0: Yeah. My only hesitation there. I mean, yeah, this is the time to sell William and Mary has been just been really lucky from a shooting regression standpoint, uh, from a three point opponent shooting standpoint, but I, I, you know, with, and Towson should bully them. I mean, that's just what scary teams do they bully on the offensive glass and william and mary is vulnerable in that aspect i just don't know if terry nolan and jason gibson are going to play for Towson, so they've been a little shorthanded but from a matchup perspective and from a market perspective as to when to sell this william and mary team which i still think is just terrible and running well um i think that this is this is the time all right uh so that way we three Three best bets of Monday night, all in the CAA. Maybe we'll turn into a, a CAA podcast moving forward. Um, let's move on to Tuesday night, and that's – we'll talk just one spot. You can mention a couple if you want, spots you have circled. Um, I'll start because I'm the host, and hopefully I don't I don't steal anyone's here, mm-hmm. but mine's going to be pretty obvious, and I'm going with probably the best spot of the week in my opinion, and that's – sorry, BJ. Uh, Texas Tech at home against Iowa State. <laughs> And look, I mean, Texas Tech is coming off of a loss. I loved Kansas State on Saturday. Did wasn't surprised they lost that game. Look, incredible week for Texas Tech. And then you go for a noon tip against just a completely desperate, underrated Kansas State team that's been close in every game and just couldn't find a way to close any of them out. They're, I think they're 1-4 and four in the Big 12 now, and they've led in the second half in all five. They finally found a way to close it out. But Texas Tech, look, they were shorthanded against Iowa State that first time around. They came out, little Hilton magic, Iowa State jumped out to a big lead. Texas Tech Tech still almost came all the way back. Iowa State went, I think, the first 10 minutes of the second half with two points. So Texas Tech made some adjustments. I just don't see how this – unless Gabe Kalsher, who maybe has shot his back. He shot well two games in a row. This guy hasn't shot well since 2018. Um, But I just don't see how Iowa State has a path to consistent offense here. I also love the fact that Texas Tech is – you know, got Shannon back. And I actually thought that would work against them. It's one of the things on Saturday. It's one of the things that's very difficult about this year. A lot of these teams, it's like, all right, who's been out? Who's out? But I I, I tend to think more often than not when someone has missed a long period of time, as Shannon did, the first game in back into the lineup, it's actually a net negative, right? There's going to be some rust, and then you got to assimilate him back into the lineup. And he was rusty. But, you know, you got you got 20 minutes under his belt. He should be much better here. So, yeah, give me Texas Tech off of that Kansas State loss. Meanwhile, you have Iowa State coming off that really emotional, what we just talked about, pretty, I think, in a way, f- fairly fortunate win against Texas. Uh, so give me the Red Raiders with some home revenge and Lubbock. We talk about <laughs> Iowa State's home court advantage, but Texas Tech is one of the best home court advantages in all of college basketball. Part of that is uh, some elevation there. So, yeah, I think Texas Tech ends up, rolling and you know as much as you can in a game like this uh bj did i steal yours
2: no i mean well i'll just say that hilton magic is overrated but that was kind of one of my big spots there but i'll go with another big 12 game uh baylor we're, we're gonna
0: lose we, we're gonna we're not gonna have any iowa state fan that's good I mean, we don't want them
2: that's fine <laughs> the end of the season. <laughs> we don't Ames, need them uh, our aims listenership is plummeting that's okay there's plenty of other great cities in, in this beautiful state of iowa that can listen to us uh, I'm gonna go Baylor, West Virginia, another big 12 one. This is a great bounce back spot for Baylor. Uh, you know, the loss to the Oklahoma state, uh, was kind of shocking. You know, I was out shoveling snow for three hours in the afternoon. Cause we got a, a foot of snow here in Iowa and I came in and the Baylor game was about to start. I re-looked at the matchup. And I saw one of the three man weave guys on Baylor. So I said, all right, I'll, I'll take the minus 13 and a half. And you know, when took a shower came out and they were down by 25. So I was like, Oh crap. Like, what oh, shocking. Yeah, it was shocking. Uh, but, they really put the Clamps down defensively in the second half against Oklahoma State. There was a large stretch where Oklahoma State really only made one basket. If you look at you know the postgame win expectancy, Baylor had a 77% chance of winning that game. They just could not make an open shot to save their life. This is a really good matchup against a Tennessee team that just got their doors blown off by Kansas on Saturday. They're due for a ton of negative regression. Uh, especially defending the three-point shot. Overall for the season, they're allowing around 31% from deep, but they're 345th in the country in open three-point shot rate with around 50%, while Baylor is due for a ton of positive aggression from behind the arc. They just haven't been able to knock down any open threes the last two games. Baylor will have a huge advantage on the offensive boards. They're eighth in offensive rebounding percentage, while West Virginia is 331st in defensive rebounding percentage. Also, Baylor spends about 20% of their possessions in transition and puts up 1.12 points per possession. So they'll be ready for Bob Huggins' press. Ken Palm has this, I believe, at Baylor minus five. If it's that, I absolutely love the Bears there, and I'd probably play it up to minus six, maybe be minus six and a half.
0: By the way, the motto of the city of Ames, Iowa is uh... – the smart choice.
2: I know, Matt, Literally. our producer, Matt Mitchell, told me that. I did not know that. And uh, I'm going to have to get a petition to, to change that because that's definitely not right.
0: AmesIowaSmartChoice.com. Check out that <laughs> website. Um, by the way, Iowa, Iowa State Fair, <laughs> overrated or underrated? Iowa State Fair. Oh, uh, I would say... Properly barely rated. rated. I would okay. say properly what's the, what's rated. What's the best, what's the one thing you got to get there that you would sell someone if they went there? Ooh, for like-
2: there's, every year there's something deep fried that's fantastic. I'd say the deep fried Oreos are unbelievable there. Pork on a stick is fantastic. They've even, in a couple of years, I don't know if they still do it, but uh, they uh, deep fry a stick of butter. I haven't tried that uh, because I, you know, I don't want my arteries clogged up, but I've heard it's very good. So I would say, yeah. A deep fried say- stick of butter?
0: Yep. That's ridiculous. They deep
2: fry everything <laughs> at the Iowa State Fair. So if you love things deep fried, we have it all here in
0: Iowa, but I would say it's, it's properly rated. I just can't imagine what that would taste like, but like I can see like Oreos are good. Let's deep fry them. It's like deep fried butter. Wow. Yeah. That I mean, they'll, they'll awesome. literally, they'll,
2: they'll deep fry anything. Some wonderful deep fried foods at the Iowa State Fair.
0: Mike, where are you uh, looking at for tomorrow? And if you have any thoughts on the Iowa State Fair, feel free to share.
1: Yeah, the Iowa State Fair, I feel like deep frying butter is the embodiment of the Michael Caine gift where it's like some men just want to watch the world burn. Like why you would deep fry a stick of butter just because you can uh, doesn't mean you should. A little
2: bit, Michael, come on. Yeah, give I mean, deep fried,
1: deep fried Oreos. I've been to the New York State Fair uh, around Syracuse and those are quite good. So I, I'm not going to front and pretend that I don't like fried foods, but the, the butter has lost me a little bit. Um, Isn't like deep fried of- beer? You can get like deep fried beer too. I can't imagine that's...
0: Any good. Yeah, I mean, How if anybody's works. out there and
2: you want to go Google all the deep fried foods that's at the Iowa State Fair, it's a it's a pretty long list and a lot of them sound pretty appetizing.
0: Yeah, there's like deep, deep fried beers like it's like a ravioli looking thing with beers. And look, I can't imagine that's any good, but um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I digress.
1: Uh, so my look at for Tuesday, uh, you mentioned, you know, the ACC being in dire need of a team stepping forward. I think this is North Carolina's time to do it. Uh, they got four starters, averaging 13 and more. I really like that balance. Baycott obviously has has taken that jump. You know, he'll be the first team all ACC, 17 points per game, 11 rebounds. And what's interesting to me, this Miami team, you know, they've been in three straight one possession games and including, you know, getting the win over Syracuse, where if they lose that game, I think there's a totally different conversation surrounding the Hurricanes North Carolina, what I really love when you dig into their stats, it's two things. The first is that teams do not get to the foul line against them. They're averaging just 12 foul shots per game, which is six nationally. And when you mix that with how good UNC has been on the glass, their third in defensive rebounding percentage nationally, you're just not providing teams with a lot of outs if they're not shooting the ball well from the field. Um, obviously North Carolina, I think you'll probably get a a pretty decent price on this one outright because they're still looking for that quality road win. You know, they've lost to Purdue, Tennessee, Kentucky, you know, that stinker in South Bend. Um, So they don't have that premier win on the season. And I think because of that, you know, the, the market is going to Probably give you a, a pretty reasonable price here. So I'm going to go ahead with UNC. I think I'm finally ready to buy in on them based on this you know, little streak they got going and how they played against Georgia Tech. I understand that Georgia Tech's a mess right now, but I'm going to put my faith in Baycott and hopefully they get it done.
0: All right, there you have it. That's our weekend recap. Looks for Monday and Tuesday. Make sure that you download the Action Network app. You can follow all of our picks there and find lots of actionable info and content for every college basketball slate we will be back on wednesday the three man weaves weekly episode and then myself and bj will be back on friday to preview the weekend make sure you subscribe unsubscribe big bets on campus podcast wherever you listen leave a review tell a friend tell an enemy appreciate all of your support good luck on your wagers enjoy the games and we'll be back later in the week cheers